This is the John Nuzzo Leadership Podcast. Welcome to this month's podcast. So glad you're joining us again. Uh, we're in the middle of teaching the six values that the God placed in mind in Michelle's heart uh, that built this church and built this ministry over the years. And these values are are values that, that work anywhere, but they're values that, that I've really had a compelling uh, desire from God to, to share, not just with the broad audience of this podcast, but certainly within our church. Because values are the why of the what that you do. Until people understand why something is being done, then what you are doing immediately loses value and meaning. You know, I've talked in previous podcasts about the Holy Spirit building a new wineskin for a new generation to carry the immutable or unchangeable gospel to the generation that they serve but to carry it in a wineskin that, that certainly will be different from the one that, that my generation built. The fact of it is wineskins are totally changeable, but the values of the kingdom, the word of God, they're immutable. And so what I've been helped to do, actually from one of the pastors on our staff, is Matt Gates. He said, you know, Pastor, our church knows you. They know what we are, who we are, but the truth of it is, Unless people have had the chance to work with you and Michelle as closely as I have, they really aren't going to understand the values from which you choose and have chosen over these almost three decades. So Matt helped me along with some others to to process these out in a way that we could put them into segments that would make sense. So far, we've covered four of the six values. Let love lead, start with people, expect multiplication, and make it count. This month, I want to talk to you about the fifth value. Surrender to the Holy Spirit. Surrender to the Holy Spirit. Under each of the values, I wrote a, a subtext, Michelle and I, that would kind of broadly speak to that in just a few sentences. Surrender to the Holy Spirit. Here's the subtext. For our lives and leadership to reflect the life and mission of Jesus, we must surrender to the person, the baptism, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We seek the kingdom first by living in an ongoing personal relationship with the Holy Spirit and rely on his voice to teach, lead, and to edify us. It's very difficult to overemphasize the impact of the Holy Spirit's dynamic and the relationship with the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer, but certainly in the life of a leader. In fact, every Christian should have the same expectation of an intimate relationship with God the Holy Spirit as a child would of their mother and father if they were growing up in a home that was healthy and godly and not abusive. Every child growing up in a non-abusive home has an expectation that their parents are going to lead, guide, and direct them from a motivation of love. Romans 8.14 tells us that, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. I want to encourage you as a leader to have an expectation of the leading and the guidance and the direction of the Holy Spirit. The first is I want to talk to you just in, in simply two points today in this, in this podcast, in this very broad value of surrendering to the Holy Spirit. Number one is surrender to his guidance. Surrender to his guidance. And what we've tried to do in each of the value is to connect it to a story in our life that was so meaningful that it was the beginning or the onset of the operation of this value. I've learned that when we don't let the Holy Spirit guide us. We limit what we should do with our life. 
We look through the lens of our abilities or our inabilities, our weaknesses and our fears. And even worse yet, we approach the future through our strengths. But if you're going to follow God and be led by the Holy Spirit and truly, listen, surrender to his guidance, that's the key of this value. It isn't the will of God in the matter. It's my will to surrender to the will of God and to the actual guidance of the Holy Spirit. You know, in 1988, when Michelle and I were driving through Cranberry Township on our way to speak at a church, at this time in our ministry, I was literally traveling church to church and doing meetings. And they were largely very, very small churches and wonderful experiences. And so while driving out in the Pittsburgh area to get to a church on the other side of the city, the Holy Spirit dealt with Michelle and I in a very, really significant way. We were driving through Cranberry Township, which is where the turnpike was located to get to where we were going. And as we were driving through Cranberry, we came on Freedom Road. And while we were driving, with no thought of this, we were just talking. God's presence filled, just literally filled the vehicle that we were driving. And immediately in both of our hearts, the Holy Spirit spoke to us independently. And it was simply this sentence, you will start a church here someday. Now, we stopped talking when it happened. It was sovereign. And, and I remember I, I, I was kind of shocked by this. I said, Michelle, did God just deal with you about something? And she said, yeah. It was just, it was out of nowhere. And so we finally kind of let it out to each other that, hey, I, I believe we're called to start a church here someday. Now, as with most, most men, I added it a lot to it so that I could have my answers. Because one thing about surrendering to the guidance of the Holy Spirit is that it's step by step, not leap by leap, or you don't get a finished paragraph or book. So I said, honey, you know I'm, I'm not a pastor. I'll never pastor. So here's what this means. Someday, somebody that's called to start a church in Cranberry will, will let us know, and we'll know that we're supposed to stop traveling and go serve them and help them build it. And so that's what we concluded. Now, not Michelle as much as me, but, you know, I'm being a guy. So time passed. And that was 1988. Now we're literally, it's 1992. And we're in, living in Africa as missionaries. And I'm kind of puzzled. I said, Lord, what am I, what am I supposed to do with that cranberry thing? Should we live in Africa? Should we give our life to serving here? But Lord, I know you spoke to us. What are we supposed to do with that? And I'll never forget when, when I said to the Lord in prayer, I said, Lord, you know we're willing to do this, but somebody's disobeying you. And so over time, while we were still living in Africa, God made it so clear to Michelle and I that I've called you to do it. And I'm like, me? I can't do this. I gave him the names of other people. But it's surrendering to his guidance. We didn't have a, con we didn't have a clue of how to start a church. I wish there were organizations that helped t today as there were then, but there weren't. We just came back and literally just got started. It was crazy. Interestingly enough, Two, three years into the church, we, not even, I think it was two years in, we bought land. And, and Michelle and I were praying on that land one evening. We drove over and we just parked our car. And it was in the evening, it was dark. And here comes a police car onto this kind of secluded little area because it had all these trees on it. And this police car pulls behind us. He comes and taps on my window. And he said, hey, this is private property. What are you all doing here? And I said, we're praying. He said, oh, that's the first time I ever heard it called that. I told him who we were, and, and we actually were praying. Now, we went back several times, and we're praying over the property. And Michelle looks at me, and she said, honey, 
Do you remember where we were when God spoke to us that we will start a church here someday? Without thinking, I said, yeah, we're, we're on Freedom Road. I looked up and I realized it was that exact location. I looked at the spot on the road on that downgrade of the hill and I knew exactly where we were. And I realized that we literally drove through the presence of God where he ultimately would put our first building. And when, it's, when he said, you'll start a church here someday, he literally meant that property. The things that God can do if we're yielded to him. In John chapter 14 and 15, Jesus gives us a very broad picture of things that he said about the person of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He said he would show you things to come. You have to expect that if you're going to surrender to the Holy Spirit. He knows the beginning from the end. Now, he's not going to give you a completed book with chapters and, and pages, page numbers. But what he is going to give you is direction. And when you get direction, you have to surrender to that direction. And I don't know how to over, overstate this. You have to act. If you don't act, you aren't surrendered. So as we just began to do what he led us to do, if I were to write a book on how to start a church based on the way we did it, it would be the 200 things necessary to kill a church. And yet God in the middle of that kept breathing on what he called us to do. Jesus said that he would become your counselor who will be with you forever. Imagine God being your counselor. And imagine this, God the Holy Spirit desiring to be my counselor, but I never engage him. I never make the call. And then he said that he would be the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. That he would lead me. He would guide me. He would direct me only into truth. That he would only lead me where love would lead me. That he would live in me, Jesus said, and be with me always. That no matter what I would face in obedience to God, no matter what the next step was, that I wasn't trying to do something for God, but with him. And I knew that the greater one would abide on the inside of me. Jesus said in John 14 and 15 that he would teach you. And then he would remind you of the things that he said. He also said he would be your comforter. And he would be the actual peace that I leave you. The peace that Jesus left us was not a feeling of serenity in troubled times. The peace, he said, I leave you is my peace, which is the person of the Holy Spirit. And he said, and when you have this surrendered relationship with him, Jesus said, that it will cause your heart not to be troubled. If there's anything that's happening in the world around us today, people, leaders, at every level of life are so troubled that they're literally being paralyzed to act. Jesus said he would be your strengthener, your advocate, the one who would stand by you, and he would be your helper. Let me rest on the word helper for just a minute. In surrendering to the Holy Spirit, it didn't say he would be your doer. It said he would be your helper. In surrendering and then in humility, acting and operating by faith and not by sight, in that action, it actually brings the help of God, the Holy Spirit, into this natural realm. You know, when I think of where we are today, and, and I try to wrap my mind around what God has done here, and to this day, I could never, I can't explain it. I can't explain to you how all this happened because I walk on this campus today and I see what God is doing and has done. And I can't believe that I, one, was a part of it. I, I tell you, it's hard for me to even wrap my mind around that God asked Michelle and I to lead it. 
Because when I look back, it was so much his help that it makes your part seem so insignificant. Yet I don't want to diminish your part in surrendering to the Holy Spirit in your life, in your leadership. It's in surrendering to him that you gain his help. But it's when you gain his help that you give him all the glory. Because without him, you can do nothing. And one of the greatest things Jesus said is that he, not me, not you, will convince or convict those without Christ of their need for Jesus. I don't know if you're like me as a pastor. When I take the opportunity, and I do in every service, to give people an invitation to receive Christ, I want to do that the very, very best I can. But if I'm not careful, I put the burden on my my ability to do it well. But that's really not the case. It's simply sharing the gospel and knowing that it's the work of the Holy Spirit to convince and convict the hearer of their need for Christ. Because I've <laughs> sometimes I've done that so poorly, and I look and the response is overwhelming, and I think, Lord, you're amazing. It's why truly no flesh can glory in his presence. So I want to, in, 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 the, in the value of surrendering to the Holy Spirit, I want to help you to remember, surrender to his guidance. Have a God-sized dream. Have a dream to reach people that is, at, that is matched to the sacrifice of the Son of God. That the one that spared not his own son, the scripture said, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him, with him, freely give you all things? God withholds nothing from those who are engaged in the mission that Jesus gave his life for. And so don't ever see yourself trying to extract resources out of God's hand to do God's work. See yourself in surrendering to the Holy Spirit through an act of humility and faith that you don't need to see resources. The reason most people never progress in a vision is they're waiting for permission from how they feel. They're waiting for permission from people around them. They're waiting for permission from circumstances. They're waiting for fear to take its foot off the back of their neck. And that's never going to happen. Humility is when I honor him and I surrender to him in the midst of that, not in its absence. See the God of the universe and realize that you're his partner and that he desires more for this earth than I'll ever desire nor or you. And there's nothing, there's no good thing he withholds when he didn't withhold his son. The second part of this, and there's so much more to it, that I just want to encourage you to do. The scripture says in 1 Corinthians 14 that we should pursue love, but then we should seek earnestly and desire spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 lists what are termed the nine gifts or manifestations of the Holy Spirit. And I do want to encourage every one of us to begin to desire them, begin to read of them, look at the examples in Scripture where they manifest, and begin to seek them. Now, I think it's interesting that Jesus said, pursue love and then seek spiritual gifts. Don't pursue spiritual gifts and then marginalize seeking love. When you pursue love, you pursue God because that's who he is. The balance to the moving and the enriching move of the Holy Spirit is when the love of God is the motivator in the heart of the person yielding. Because they'll never draw attention to themselves. They'll never make the Holy Spirit odd and weird. Because he isn't. 
but they will speak, seek to, to magnify God in the way in which they respond and yield to those gifts. Even in prayer, the scripture tells us he's our helper. In Romans 8, 26, that he helps in our weaknesses. And here's the weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for as we should. Now, the Bible doesn't say we don't know how to pray. Of course, we know how if you know the word of God. But we don't always know what to pray for as we should. This world and circumstances can be so confusing. He said, but the Spirit himself will intercede for us with groans that cannot be expressed or words that can't be put into articulate speech. There's something about surrendering to the Holy Spirit in every aspect, in guidance, in, in obedience, in, in yielding, trusting his love, but then desiring to see the move and the operation of the Holy Spirit in a way that glorifies Jesus. I want to close this, this brief time about the value of surrendering to the Holy Spirit by telling you a story. I think I've said it in, in past podcasts, but it bears repeating. About 12 years ago or so, uh, a family in our church actually became one of our pastors on staff, has since retired, John Spencer. Something happened to John. I want you to see the necessity of yielding to the Holy Spirit, even in prayer. About three in the morning, uh, I heard Michelle, it sounded like she was sick. She was kind of groaning. And I thought, man, what is that? What, is she okay? And and we have a king-size bed, and she's like five foot nothing. So I lean over. I'm trying to reach over, and I can't get to her. And it's like, my goodness, how far over did she go? But I still hear this. And finally, I go, Michelle, are you okay? And I don't. all I hear is this kind of soft, almost like a groan. And I think, oh, my goodness, she must be really sick. She can't even answer me. And I get louder. Now, Michelle, are you okay? And all she said was, honey, I, I'm, I'm praying. God, the Spirit of God came upon me. I, just, I have to pray. I just have to. And she's on the ground kneeling on her face, actually praying. And then she said, Would you help me. Help me pray. And, and, and I went to sleep. I didn't. And uh, I don't want to lie to you on a Christian podcast and all, but I didn't. I just said, uh, okay. And then I kind of started to pray, fell back asleep. Well, about 30 minutes or so later, she wakes me up. Go get in the shower and get dressed. I said, why? I think it was like 5.30 or 5 in the morning. She goes, we're going to get a phone call. I've prayed something on the other side. I know whatever that phone call is, no matter what they tell you, that person is going to be fine. But go get ready because I'm telling you, you're getting the phone call. I went, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I went back to sleep. At just about 6 in the morning, my phone rings. And it's Kathy Spencer, John's wife. John had gone to the hospital to get tests early in the morning. And while there, he threw blood clots into his lung. I think, I think there were seven or eight. I forget the exact number. And I would have been ready to walk out the door had I listened to Michelle. When I finally got there, and if you know anything about pulmonary embolisms, they're very serious. I, I got in with John and Kathy, and I said, listen, I don't know the road ahead. I don't know what it's going to actually all look like, but here's what I can promise you. You're going to be okay. And I told them what happened with Michelle. I said, your answer's already been prayed into the moment. A supply of the Holy Spirit, as Paul said in Philippians 1, has been prayed ahead. And when that embolism occurred, it occurred in the presence of the supply of the Holy Spirit. And he fully recovered. And what I want you to see is that in surrendering to the Holy Spirit, in him showing you things to come, in hungering and desiring for his guidance and even his gifts, it equips us 
to serve a broken world with the actual ministry tools and the heart of God himself. We'll follow up next month with the final of the six values. I hope these have been a help to you. Thank you, and God bless you. Thanks again for tuning in to the John Nuzzo Leadership Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love for you to rate, review, and share this podcast on iTunes. It's a great way to get the word out and to help others grow as leaders. We'll see you back here next time for another episode of the John Nuzzo Leadership Podcast.